insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Glove Box. God, I love Glove Box. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you? Best I have ever been with one exception, Bradley. Okay. Driving over here this morning, I thought, you know, I'm a little peakish. I could eat a little uh, croissant something this morning. And Burger King, of course, is never packed because everybody's at Chick-fil-A trying to get uh-huh. chicken minis Their or whatever. croissants are pretty good, too. Bingo. Yeah. Pull in, order my croissant. It's all I wanted was a croissant and a small Dr. Pepper. Knew I wouldn't drink much of the Dr. Pepper. I'm not a big Dr. Pepper guy, but pull up to the window. And I hand the lady my card, and she says, uh, this card's declined. So as soon as she said that, I knew. And they don't say it nice at all either. Uh, I was like, huh. So I hand her another card, credit card, look at my bank account online, and I'm negative $712 in my checking account this morning. So guys, any of y'all that need financial help <laughs> with uh, keeping up with your personal checking account or business account, just give me a call and I'll help you out with that. Obviously, I'm be of $721. <laughs> Bradley, we had Kenny Urbania on the podcast a few weeks ago. I have a follow-up with that that I have just read this morning in my spare time Okay, from the Big Eye Newsletter magazine for independent agents. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read this to you, and uh, we, we can talk about it some more with our guests. So this falls in line with what we were talking about. It says, U.S. personal auto insurance market. Uh, let's see. Personal auto is the largest line of insurance in the United States with direct written premium totaling $261 billion as of March. And the article is here, here it is. Why is the personal auto market deteriorating? Now, the reason I'm reading this, you guys, our mission on this podcast is to help you agents in any way we can. We had Kenny on here a couple of weeks ago, and I talked to you about the storm that is brewing in the West and it's coming and these carriers are about to lean on the agency force to try to make up some of this profitability that they've lost over the last couple of years. So here we go, Bradley, and this speaks directly to Bradley flowers and some of the comments that he made that were very pertinent to this situation on that particular podcast. And Bradley, Mm -hmm. if you don't remember, I'll go back and I don't remember what I I ate for breakfast. So I will refresh your memory. Personal auto is the largest line of insurance. The reason for premium increases, nearly all the largest U.S. personal auto insurers reported poor financial results in the second quarter of 2022. Several issues contributed to this trend and are putting upward pressure on policyholder premium rates as insurers' losses loss ratios grow. Here we go. 2022 marked a fourth consecutive period during which the physical damage coverages exhibited upward pressure on losses due to factors such as elevated vehicle, uh, elevated used vehicle values, higher repair cost, increased comprehensive claims from catalytic converter thefts. My God, how many do you have to have to move the freaking needle on the damn, can you? How many catalytic converters do you have to freaking steal to move the the needle in the entire auto insurance industry? That's My crazy. Lord, we had we had one that I know of. <clears throat> These and other factors have contributed to a combined ratio. Remember, I tried to talk about that on that podcast, and we just uh, we kind of glossed over combined ratio. So here we go. Couple premium rate increases with the fact that annual cost of vehicle ownership has now surpassed ten thousand dollars driven by the rising cost of fuel, vehicle parts, and maintenance. Uh, Inflation is driving up loss costs. We're seeing carrier increasing rates, tightening underwriting guidelines, and some book management is occurring, whereby some carriers are limiting new agent appointments and reducing commissions. Huh, imagine that. Mm -hmm. Here's where my ass wants to crave stovewood. 
And Bradley Flowers is the one that brought this up. Here we go. Are you? Is everybody ready to hear this? Buckle up. All of this is in stark contrast to the market in 2020 mm-hmm. and 2021 when many auto insurance carriers offered refunds or provided premium credits to personal auto consumers when drivers were forced to cut back on driving because of the coronavirus. At the start of the pandemic, auto insurers, anticipating fewer accidents amid the economic lockdown, gave back approximately $14 billion to policyholders in the form of cash refunds and account credits. While insurers' personal auto loss ratios fell briefly and sharply in 2020, they have since climbed steadily to exceed pre-pandemic levels with more drivers returning to the road in 2022, this lost trend is expected to continue into 2023. So Bradley, and, and here below that, they start, and here's where it really gets good, guys. This is where Bradley Flowers was a thousand percent right. They start talking about percentages and mm-hmm. says, while the average yearly auto premium in 2019 was $1,400 in 2022, the average annual rate has hit $1,648, a 17.7% increase. The report also predicts insureds could see an additional 12% increase in premiums to get to an average of $1,846 in 2023. Bradley, you said it best. We're comparing numbers and looking at things during a time period when people were not driving. Right. Well, it's kind of like how is that possible? It's it's kind of like if you say you want to race today, but you were racing against somebody with a broken leg. Like <laughs> right. run against Usain Bolt first, and then let's see how you, you know what I mean. It's kind of like yeah. you're they need to compare numbers to 2018, 2019, which is still even a little bit skewed because the economy was phenomenal 2018, 2019. Correct. Uh, but that's still a more accurate litmus test, I believe. Yeah, there's a reason why Scott did not have a auto accident when he was driving when he was eight years old. You know why? Because I didn't, didn't drive, drive. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's like I just can't believe that the catalytic converter thefts would reach the level move, that <laughs> move the needle enough that they have to print it in the big eye newsletter for why auto you know, insurance is going up. You know how people in uh in some areas will put these cages around their air conditioner units? Right. That way, that way, nobody steals the copper out of them. We're going to have cages. Manufacturers are going to put cages around catalytic converters now. Would not shock me. And then that'll add another five hundred dollars to your vehicle yeah. purchase. Do you or or we're gonna they're gonna have to add the question to the application? Do you have a catalytic converter protection cage on your car? Does so, your car come standard with that? So I have, I have a question, but before I ask this question, because I want him involved in this conversation. I need to bring our rock star guest on today that I'm so happy to have on. And I want to give him the introduction he's always deserved. He is originally from Buffalo, New York, and he currently resides in Fayetteville, North Carolina. He is married to the beautiful Emma, and they have two beautiful babies, Sawyer, age five, and Mary Austin, age two. Let me tell you, Sawyer and Mary Austin, this podcast will live in perpetuity as long as we have an internet of some kind. And one day, many, many years from now, you are going to hear this podcast and you are going to be so proud of what your daddy's accomplished. And you should be proud of what he's accomplished. He is a graduate of Methodist University and he began work for the university after his graduation and later earned his MBA from Methodist in 2010. He and his wife, Emma, are active members of Snyder Memorial Baptist Church And as I mentioned, they have two children, Sawyer and Mary Austin. Shout out to you guys. He joined Callahan and Rice Insurance in 2015 as a sales producer, assisting clients with personal and commercial insurance coverages, and is currently serving the agency as the director of sales and marketing. He is the past chairman of the I-Lead Committee with the Independent Insurance Agents of North Carolina and serves on the IIANC Board of Directors. He has also earned the association's Young Agent of the Year Award in 2021 and 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest on the IGP, Mr. Landon 
Bentham. How are you, Landon? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Uh, it's good to see you both today. Good to see you. So I want to bring you in on this conversation. Here's my question. You heard some of the statistics that I just threw out, which is a small piece of the overall puzzle as to why carriers are about to really lean on the agency force to make up some of this profitability. My question is, over the last five years, we have cars being manufactured. Let me give you an example. Bradley Flowers drives an iPad. I'm dead ass serious. I ain't never said anything more serious in my life. It's an iPad with wheels. It's an iPad with <laughs> wheels. My 2021 Toyota Sienna is not far from being an iPad and yeah. probably has kept me from having no less than five fender benders. It's nice. How on earth can we continue to manufacture vehicles today with all of these safety features and the car will stop for you and the car will do this for you and the car will do that for you. But yet we continue to see auto rates just going through the roof. At what point does that start going down? Do you have any answers to that, Landon? No idea. Other than the cost of the vehicles to manufacture them is going up at a higher rate than than what the safety protocols are allowing the rates to come down at. So yep. I think they're outpacing each other. And yep. you know, the auto manufacturers are in business too. So they're, you know, they're they're responding to consumer demands, but also just want to uh, you know, increase their their profit margins as well. So I mean, I, I can see it from all all different angles there. I can as well. I think you have a few things going on. I think it's the cost to manufacture. It's the the delay in the uh, getting parts and things in from the, the, to the body the, shop. The delay in the in the yeah. in supply the, chain. The delay in the so God, I'm just that's okay. I've I've got I've lost my words these last two sessions more. I, I probably still have COVID brain or something. The delay in the supply chain. I think you have that going on. I think texting and driving is is playing a big part in that. I mean, we're we're just now starting to see the effects right. of people texting and and not only texting, TikToking and driving and Instagramming and driving and all that kind of stuff. So I think I think all these things are kind of culminating to cause everybody's rates to go up, even though vehicles, generally speaking, are much safer. And I look at like Tesla. So when Somebody posts that they bought a Tesla online. The the anti electric car people come out of the woodworks, right. right? There's a few things that they they object. You know, the the one is, the first thing is always, well, how do you charge it? You can't leave your city. Well, that's not true. You have to supercharge it. Well, it takes forever to charge. Well, it takes 20 minutes. Uh, the cost to repair those mm -hmm. are outrageous. Yeah, it is, but you get in far less accidents because of the safety features in it. So I think you have kind of two things going on. You have cars are much safer, so you as an individual are going to be in less accidents. Mm. But the flip side of that is, is the people who are in accidents, it's going to cost exorbitantly more mm. to right. repair those cars. Therefore, it's going to affect everybody's rates. And then there's a kind of a third leg to this stool. And if you haven't done this lately, guys, call the local enterprise in your area and just ask them, hey, I need to rent a car next week. What's the rate? What's a, what's a good rate for just a midsize vehicle? And where five, six, eight years ago, you could get a rental car for what, $30, $35 a day? I rented one for $9 a day one time. Well, that's what I'm saying. The the rental market now, it, mm -hmm. it seems like it's gone up almost doubled in well, the past couple of years. What's happening too, and I will tell you, the biggest freaking scam in the world are rental car places. I agree. Because they overbook. People talk about doctors overbooking appointments mm -hmm. and patients. Rental car places overbook car rentals. Right. Like you would not believe. I saw somebody on TikTok recently that said, if you book a rental car for a couple of days, you are almost 100% not going to have a car when you get there and you're going to have to wait for mm -hmm. somebody to turn one in or they're going to call you and say, hey, we don't have one for you. But if you rent one for a week to a week and a half, and then just take the car back early. They don't charge you for the extra days, but right. you're guaranteed to get a car because they favor those people who do the long-term rentals. We went to California, we went to San Francisco a couple of weeks ago, and I rented a, I, I hate renting a car. I despise renting a car because of all the reasons we just said, mm -hmm. but we booked our, our, our travel through Costco travel and the rental car was free. The hotel is about an hour from the city. And I'm not worried about getting an Uber in San Francisco. It's the home of Uber, but I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, We'll go, I'll go ahead and do it since it's free, budget rental car. We walk in. It was me, Josh Gurley, and our wives. We walk in. The line to get to the counter to rent our, to pick up our rental car was at least two hours. 
there was people way ahead of us, but we're just about halfway through the line that had been there like an hour and a half. So we just said, screw it. It was free anyway. Mm -hmm. To this day, budget rental car has not called me and said, hey, you didn't show up for your rental because they didn't have a car for me there. Like they're happy I didn't show up. Sure. And that's the hustle. Right. No doubt. It's the biggest scam in the world. Landon, I have got to get you on here talking about what you're the best at today. But before we do that, climb in my DeLorean for a minute and let's go back in time and talk about how you kind of got into the industry and bring us up to today. Yeah. Happy to do that. You know, when I, uh, and I, I apologize for us getting off on a tangent there for a minute. I'm sorry. That's all right. Tangents are where the best stuff is. <laughs> You know, I moved to North Carolina from Buffalo, New York, as you referenced, uh, to go to school. I was in the uh, professional golf management program out of Methodist sure. University. It's a, it's actually a nationally renowned program, and it kind of drew it draws a lot of people from the Northeast down to this mm-hmm. area. There's so an Orlando up, chapter of that too, right? There's several schools. I think there's close yeah. to 20 schools. Uh, Florida Golf Coast uh, is one of those down in Florida. My dad used to uh, encourage anyway, so me to do I, that, but I, I never yeah. did. I went through that program and actually came out of the program with my PGA membership. So I was a, wow. a teaching professional at the university for a couple of years. Got involved with uh, the fundraising office at Methodist, where I ended up meeting my now father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't know he had a daughter, didn't know anything about um, what he did really other than he he did insurance. Um, but I got involved with him and just started to get to know the local business community, not being from here. Uh, long story short, he ended up you know, inviting me to a civic club and, you know, got to know him a little bit better. And one day after the civic club, he said, Hey, I just want to talk to you about some things. Have a seat right here. I said, okay. That's no problem. So we're sitting there after lunch talking. He says, I really want you to meet my daughter. I said, I didn't even know you had a daughter. That's amazing. Um, well, she's, she's moving back here. She went to Auburn, uh, got her doctorate in War audiology. Eagle. Damn. Yeah, War Eagle. And uh, and so she uh, she's coming back. And I just think you guys have a lot in common. You should get to know each other. Great. Fast forward. We ended up hitting it off. Um, we ended up getting married. And um, and that's when he asked me to kind of get into this business with him. He's a local uh, small business owner, doesn't really have a, uh, didn't have a perpetuation plan for his business and wanted some help with it. And uh, I was more than delighted to kind of jump in and see what it was all about. So that was that's the early story as to how I how I got started in the insurance business. So, in other words, you had an arranged marriage, basically. It's often re- it's often referred to as that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so hey, you're- real quick, Brandon has some stats for us on catalytic converter thefts. Ahead, Brandon, wants, so. that on us, throw that on us, Brandon. In um, 2021, there was an increase of 1,215 percent of thefts. So, 900 percent of those of that 1200 increase happened on Pine Ridge Road. <laughs> in 2019 it was 3393 3389th uh, of the claim. In 2021 it was 14433 with the claim. Quite an increase. That is a big increase, no doubt. Landon, so right now today at Callahan and Rice is your father-in-law still involved in the agency? Very much so. Yeah, okay. he's day to day. Yep, still the owner and uh day to day, you know, doing doing everything he's he's done for the past uh 30 plus years in this business. Um and how many employees do you guys have over there right now? We currently have 12. Okay, 12 employees. Are right, what's your percentage personal lines versus commercial right now? Yeah, our commercial side is a little bit a little bit heavier, so it's like 65%. Okay. And then uh the remainder, the 35% is a mix between personal lines and benefits. Okay. And your specialty is more defense contractors, stuff like that, right? A lot of that yeah, kind of business. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one thing about Fayetteville, North Carolina, is we're situated adjacent to the largest military installation in the United States in, mm-hmm. in population-wise, and that's Fort Bragg. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fort Bragg, home of the 82nd Airborne. Um, it pulls in a lot of resources, obviously, in government contracting. And so when I got into the business, um, you know, just sort of building relationships with with wholesale brokers and and regional companies, you know, trying to figure out what what products they do well with in this area. Someone put a bug in my ear that the Defense Base Act uh, is a type of policy that uh, they see every once in a while out of that area. And it could be an interesting niche if you were to develop it. Sure. And so back in, I think it was 2018, I launched a series of blogs and videos that really spoke to that general population that's out there that needed this specific type of insurance. 
And for those at home, if you don't know what that is, really Defense Base Act is like, you can think of it as a foreign workers comp product. It's Mm -hmm. when people have to travel overseas for the US government to complete work either at an embassy or on a military base. The the United States says you must have workers comp and this is their answer to it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it took probably 18 months, but it ended up optimizing that uh, content for us on our website. And we rank number one in a couple different keyword searches around DBA insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's led to a steady influx of that business and then referrals. And it's just sort of blossomed from there. Today, we're in we're in 54 different countries uh, all over the world, uh, helping contractors, whether they're US-based or locally based in whatever country that the United States has interest in. So it's been a really unique journey. It's been a ton of fun, something that I just absolutely love. Uh, getting up and doing every day, talking with different people from all over the world is 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 very unique. Didn't think I'd be doing that in this business, but mm-hmm. it's been really neat. Has its own set of problems and issues we've had to deal with, but very rewarding and lucrative for sure. What's well, your stress level like knowing you have all this like very important, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I have a friend that that insures political campaigns. And if all three of us named 10 politicians each, we would probably cover you know, 75% of them he would insure. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to like, I don't want to go to sleep knowing that one of my, like I could have missed something on the next president of the United States insurance right. policy. Like what, like have, have you ever had those moments where you're like, man, <laughs> yeah, if we he, screw this up, this is going to be really bad for our government or well, our United States. He has uh, the next leading candidate for the presidential nomination insured and I would be, and, and I know he insures his campaign, right? But yeah, you're right. There's a sense of responsibility there that you're like, "Boy, I hope I don't screw this up, mm-hmm. or something happened that I don't." I or or the an insurance company does what they do and do something stupid that yeah. both you and the client disagree with. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure Landon kind of feels the same way with these people that are going. Are you insuring um, some of the private firms that go over to the uh, say Afghanistan, like Blackwater, and some of those private contractors? Yeah, so it's uh, it's kind of twofold. It, it is Bradley to your to your question. Yes, it's a little bit disconcerting when you're working with when you're working with U.S. based contractors that are trying to also limit what their expenditure is. Correct. It's just like anything else, they you know people don't want to buy certain things. Um, and you start talking about foreign liability and foreign H and O A and hey, what's going to happen if such and such happens to your people while they're on the clock versus off the clock? Kidnap and ransom insurance, all those things. I mean. Yes, we have to kind of run down the list for people. You probably have to compartmentalize it a little bit in your head and almost like almost dumb it down. You know, I had a conversation with a team member the other day that was wigging out over writing a policy that was six figures in premium. And I was like, look, here's and I gave the speech that the coach gave in in Hoosiers (laughs) about, hey, the court's the same size that it's we just it's the same thing. You just added zeros to the premium. Right. So you have to kind of compartmentalize and dumb it down a little bit in my experience. Well, it's funny. My father-in-law, one of his greatest sayings is everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. You know, it's just, just a matter of following. Scott jumps in with both at the same time. (laughs) No, I just, I piss in mine. That's a, you'll, you'll figure that out in an upcoming podcast. Uh, I had a little accident on my way down to Mobile this week. So yeah, Yeah. we're going to make sure everybody in the insurance industry knows about it. We're past that now though. It's funny you brought up the price. You know, everybody has a fund meter. Uh, we have a lot of defense contractors in Huntsville, Alabama as well. In fact, you yeah. may have written some down in that area. And one thing, when we quote those defense contractors, and we've just recently gotten the carriers that we needed to be able to quote that business and ride it because it is those policies are kind of unique. And uh, one thing I've noticed is they are very price conscious about what they spend. It's like, oh man, I didn't know it was going to be that much, right? Especially the new the the guys that maybe they've been doing it a while and now they stepped out and they're doing it on their own. Uh, we we deal a lot with more of the software type people, the people that are sure. helping develop programs and more computer oriented. You know, one thing I learned real quick is underwriters hate the word war games. <laughs> <laughs> war games, the, their, their I, I websites their websites not, have to be cleaned up i did not film that on video but i should have why that might be it. the funniest thing why I've is ever. that why do they hate the word war games what, I, mean, I need to know they just I, I, i'm they, kidding they think war games they think people out there shooting each other with m16s i guess and they're like no 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 we're developing 
like a simulation on a computer. It's not right. we're got 20 guys out shooting at each other in a freaking rifle range. And uh, it's so funny, though, what these underwriters. It's, it's think. like one time when I worked at Alpha, we had a really good market for new homes. Uh -huh. OK. And then also they push life insurance pretty heavy. Right. So I'm I'm actually getting my car worked on, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm overhearing a conversation across uh -huh. the way. It's an it's an older man and a younger lady, and they knew each other. And he said, Well, how's the house coming? She's like, Good, good. They just finished it two weeks ago. We moved in. It's awesome having a brand new house. And at the time we had the market for brand new homes. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm about so. to walk over here and hand her my business card and you know, hey, all right. And then he says, well, good, good, good. And she said, yeah, insurance company built us a brand new one after the old one burnt down last year. And I'm like, okay, all right, well, we won't, we won't do that. And then he says, well, how's your health? And she said, it's good, it's good, it's good. I'm actually in the market for some life insurance after the quadruple bypass I had last year. But she and I'm is. like, my God, that's probably the same thing the underwriter thinks when when they hear war games. It's like, oh, man. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. and if I could jump in, too, I mean, I think – one of the reasons and to kind of get back to why I think this is probably beneficial for your audience, and you've probably heard it a thousand times, but becoming an expert in a certain area that you're trying to serve is vitally important. I mean, to your point, Scott, I mean, oftentimes what I'm telling my clients is, you know, we are really good at representing you the correct way to the insurance carriers. Mm -hmm. And if we can do that better than the next person, I feel like that positions us well in this market to be able to help you figure out what problems you have now and what problems you could have in the mm -hmm. future. And defense contracting is is a wild game. I mean, they could double or triple the size of their business overnight if they would have did. Or even more probably. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's about positioning them to be able to say, hey, it, depending on what happens in the future, we can scale up, scale back, and keep an eye on this for you. It's not the traditional set it and forget it kind of insurance policy. We have right. to stay involved with these people all the time. It's an that's an important just thing I want to note is the way that you represent your clients to the insurance carriers, especially in this bigger stuff, matters a ton. And it's a it's a really good reason that insureds need to pick agents who have certain niches in the area of business they are in. Because if you go out and I mean, you go to every Tom, Dick and Harry Main Street insurance agency, you know, they're going to get very wide eyed when they see the premium and they're definitely going to tell you they can do it, even though they can't and possibly represent you wrong, which is going to lead you to making one of two mistakes. Either you end up going with them and they really don't know what they're doing and they make a mistake and you you end up paying for that in extra premium down the road or B, you end up paying for that an extra premium at the agency you're supposed to be at. You know what I mean? It wastes it wastes everybody's time. And no question. It's, no question. It's something that I think especially more middle market accounts need to think about. So I look at it almost like a contractor account. And Landon brought up a great point, and I want to ask him this question. Do you have uh some type of self-reporting automated form? So we have a we have one property carrier called RE Insurance Pro, I think is the name. And every month for every account we have, they send out this email that's like, have you added any properties? Have you taken any properties off? Well, in the defense contractor world, and, and Landon kind of touched on this just a minute ago, you may have a defense contractor that's maybe a kind of a relatively new a defense contractor that's trying to get awarded contracts and they may start out with zero. I mean, everybody starts with zero and then they might get some small award. That's a couple hundred thousand dollars. Well, six months later, they might get a $20 million contract. Well, that's a that's freaking right. problem for insurance. Do you have some type of automated system that monthly self reports or sends them an email and says, Hey, did you get a big contract this month? We, we have uh, intentional quarterly touches with all of the defense contractors yeah. to make sure, you know, what are you bidding on? It's not like it happens overnight with, you know, in a surprise scenario, right. they're bidding on stuff. So as long right. as they keep us updated on what they're bidding on and we, and we sort of know what could be coming, uh, we typically have good success there. We almost always try to get the workers comp on a reporting form mm -hmm. because that can fluctuate, you know, they're, their task orders and whatnot can can move rapidly. And so that just works out better for them to be able to report what specific payroll they have on month to month versus, you know, try to get on any other you know, different kind of payment structure. 
Yep, because they get that big $20 million contract, the next thing they got to do is hire a bunch of people. Right, and, exactly. And, and, if, and if you have it set up where it's, you know, you're spreading out at a premium over time versus what's actually happening, they're going to be front loading that expense when they yeah. don't have necessarily the cash flow there. So, yeah. Yeah. So tell me what else you guys do really well there. I want to I want to get a flavor and have these guys get a flavor of your agency there. Yeah. So, I mean, I think if you were to walk in here, you'd, you'd see us similar to a lot of other Main Street agencies. I mean, we're in a small town. We're in a town that is not as franchised, I might say, as some other areas in North Carolina. We're still a lot of mom and pop type businesses. Lip in Mayberry. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... Uh, a lot of condominium uh, associations. We do a ton of habitational work again with Fort Bragg being right here. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of um, a lot of the folks. There's just a ton of construction in apartments going up, and so we we're we're working that market fairly well. Uh, the subcontractor market is very strong for us, and so yeah, I mean those are those are kind of our main niches: contracting and habitational. So you and I live in a fairly similar area, and one thing I I have noticed about living in a contractor military based oriented economy, uh, Redstone Arsenal, uh, you know, we've got all of the major defense contractor firms, uh, Raytheon, you name it, they're in Huntsville, right? Yeah. Uh, one thing I've noticed about Huntsville that's different, but I think similar to where you're at, uh, than other places is you have so many, active and former military people that live in our community. Again, Huntsville is one of the fastest growing cities in the country. I mean, top five fastest growing in the country. Everywhere you look, there's cranes, construction, all that stuff. But one thing I've noticed about Huntsville, and I guarantee you Fayetteville in that area is the same way, is you have a lot of the diehard USAA members that no matter what you say, no matter what you do, you know, I, I told this story a long time ago on the podcast. The four most loyal people in the world are USAA members would be one. iPhone users would be another. If a person uses an Apple iPhone, they will never switch to an Android. That will not by the happen. Way, by the way, shout out to Christian Moore last night who posted he just got his first iPhone. There you go. And I texted him and said, I want to make sure the messages turn blue. There you go. Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> Welcome to the dark side. You will never get a person to buy anything but an iPhone if they use an iPhone. The third most uh, loyal person from a brand standpoint are crystal meth users. <laughs> People who use crystal meth love crystal meth, and it is very difficult to get them to not use crystal meth. So they're right on the same level with USAA. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever run across a USAA member that has insurance with USAA, don't waste your breath. Just keep on trucking down the road. But do you find that to be the case over there as well? I mean, obviously there, there, there is a lot of loyalty there, but I, I typically will challenge that assumption to a lot of people. I I always hit it kind of right where, where I feel like they win a lot is that the flexibility with the auto product, you know, they can be moved in a, in a, in a heartbeat somewhere else. And that auto product supposedly can be flexed and moved where it needs to go without a whole lot of headache. I typically talk to them and say, look, you know, you're coming to me for a reason. You Mm -hmm. obviously aren't happy with something. I understand they have this really great benefit, but it may be worth the extra effort to have you or your spouse or someone check this at different places you go, because you may have a better insurance situation. You just don't know it. Mm -hmm. Well, here's Uh the thing too. Like, I don't think, any insurance company takes advantage of their customers more than USAA. I could not agree they, with you more. They have no affiliation with the military. Hold on. Let me stop you right there. Brandon, you may want to look this up. I don't think the CEO of USAA even served in the military. Okay, look that up. But I, I want to confirm that, Brandon. I want to confirm that. They have no affiliation with the military. It's a it's a big marketing scheme. That's it is, all it we're, is. We're going to sell military people. Right. The rules to get in are very loosey goosey. Correct. Was the your people was that are granddad? Was your right. uncle? Was your brother? Well, hell, every person in America has at least one family member that served in the military. So it's kind of a loaded question, right? right. Yeah. The people you didn't earn anything. You earned the right to buy insurance from an insurance company. Right. Right. So they think that if they, they don't want to leave because they earned it. And this policy has been in my family for generations, which is just a BS marketing scheme. Right. 
the people that write the policies don't know anything about the policies. They hire 21 year olds and 19 year olds who are sitting in a call center that don't give a crap about you and your policies, your assets and all that kind of stuff. And in areas where so areas where I'm at in Mobile, Alabama, the they don't write wind insurance. Mm -hmm. But because the person that wrote the policy is 22 years old and does not have a license, they don't know that their policy does not have wind insurance. They don't know what that means. To add to that, their ex-win rates, the the policy without wind on it, is so expensive. A lot of times, mortgage companies don't catch the fact that it doesn't have wind on it because that ex-win policy is the same price as a full policy with wind with another carrier. Mm. And so if we run across a USAA customer in Alabama, usually they don't have wind and they don't know it until there's a claim or we tell them. Wow. Nobody takes advantage of their customers more than USAA. They it's it's yeah. a total scheme. Sorry, I, that's something I've wanted to say for a while. Brandon, I no, think I'll, has I'll the information that, for us. We uh, oh so um he's a proud Eagle Scout member, but he there's no mention of military service on his bio. I read that too, uh, Brandon, that he is an he was an Eagle Scout. Uh thank him for his service back in the day, but I don't believe that gentleman has ever actually served in the military who is running an organization that markets and is doing everything they can to present themselves as we are the insurance carrier for the military. Right. That's what they do. And in fact, they've paid uh, Rob Gronkowski, by my estimation, probably around $5 million to be their spokesman. And then on these commercials, because they realize that people like Bradley and I are calling them out on these podcasts they are trying their dead level best to present in their commercials how exclusive because Gronkowski's doing this thing like, well, gosh, I wish I was a member of USAA. How mm -hmm. can I be a member? They're trying to subliminally create this. This is such a uh, exclusive thing here for our members, which is just not the case. Now, but I will say they are pretty good on claims. Oh, yeah. They're, oh, yeah. they're good on claims. I, I got hit by a USA customer one time, first accident I've ever in. I mean, I was paid within two days. Right. I will say this, if I can, you know, with, with USA in this area, you know, we we had a series of hurricanes that hit our area in Matthew, Florence, and Isaias a few mm -hmm. years back. And they kind of came staggered. USAA sent, you know, push notification. This is kind of the pitfalls of automation uh, taking advantage of customers saying, hey, don't forget, you've got food spoilage coverage on your policy. If you've got a home policy with USAA, you know, if you need that file, please let us know. They ended up filing, a bunch of people ended up filing that. And then Florence was actually worse in the following preceding year uh, for this area. And so they, a lot of those people actually filed property claims that needed to file property claims. Mm -hmm. um, and then USAA sent out a bunch of cancellation letters. And that's when we got a bunch of phone calls because mm -hmm. they just did not you know, the, one of the things that independent agents obviously proud themselves of is we'll talk with you about the situation before you end up having to engage the insurance company in, in some cases. Sure. And this is a prime example where our value proposition would have saved folks uh, from making that mistake on a $250, $500 frozen food spoilage claim on their home. Absolutely. I, one of our differentiators is I always tell our clients, I cannot put the toothpaste back in the tube. Call me first, especially if it's some kind of uh, what I call exotic claim or something that's just kind of, uh, you know, teetering on whether it should be a claim or not. Mm -hmm. Let's talk through it. Let's get a contractor to look at it before you now have a property claim on your record and we've paid out $500. You should do that marketing <laughs> video where you're trying to put toothpaste back in a tube. Right. And then at the I end, like tie it in with that. Yeah, that would be good. So. Let me say this, uh, last thing I'll say about USAA. On April 27th of 2011, we had the largest tornado outbreak in American history, and I was there for it. And USAA rolled into Huntsville, Alabama with their RVs with the wrapped with the USAA logo, and they brought in something like 55 adjusters because Huntsville was so big with USAA. And one of the things that we thought – and I think they implemented a new rule after this was every client that I had had a neighbor that had USAA insurance. So they talk, right? And when the April 27th tornadoes broke out, USAA and their policy had unlimited food spoilage. 
So you had USAA customers. You got to remember, you know, one house out of three in the state of Alabama got damaged by a tornado in that in that scenario, right? So when that ended, USAA came out with the new and improved USAA uh, Alabama tornado outbreak rule where they put a limit on food spoilage because they had people getting three, four, five thousand dollars in food spoilage on their uh, as part of their uh, adjust adjusters check that they got. So, Landon, um, shifting gears slightly to your work with the state association, mm. um, I visited you guys a couple months ago for the Young Agents Conference. Great association. I mean, Albie Knight's group, one of the best, if not the best state associations Agreed. in the country. We had a guest on, yes, and obviously you're very involved per your bio. You're very involved per your bio. We had a guest on yesterday. We talked about, we we're talking about diversity and inclusion and women in the workforce and that sort of thing. And the thing we talked about was how some of that is is improving because the industry is trending younger. Do you see not not necessarily on the diversity inclusion side, but what's your outlook with the industry trending younger? You know, I, f- I feel like you probably have a pretty good take on that with your involvement in the association. When yeah, you talk I mean, to I, the I, young agents, are you does it seem like status quo or does it seem like, man, this, we've got a really bright future in this industry, at least in North Carolina? In North Carolina, I feel like we have a really bright future. Um, yeah. I think a lot of that is driven by our risk management programs that we uh, are very intentional about folding into what the association is doing um, and about what the efforts are of the association just to try to get young people at least interested, at least to know what a career in insurance might look like. Mm-hmm. I think we've done a really excellent job at that. Now, we have an issue where, and I think it's probably the same with a lot of places, where a lot of the risk management graduates tend to gravitate towards larger brokers and companies rather than independent agencies. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a factor because a lot of the, a lot of what we do is still family owned and maybe it's our hope to perpetuate internally um, as a as an industry as 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 we age. But I do think that the future is really bright. I think it's bright for startups. We've seen a ton of new startup agents mm-hmm. uh, in North Carolina, companies that'll give appointments, really great companies that'll give appointments and you know, three, four year runways to get people started. So I think the, the, uh, I think the industry is, is uh, definitely trending younger and in a really, really powerful way, at least here in in North Carolina. Do you think that, so we've, we've got a a college here that has a risk management program. I think it's the only one in the state. And I got plugged in with- Anti-sales program? (laughs) I got plugged in with the director of that program and they were going to send me some summer interns uh, to interview, right? And, and every every person I interviewed was not. And at the time, at, at the time, we only needed salespeople, right? Yeah. And every person I interviewed was not a salesperson. They were clear as day an underwriter. And and so I ended up just I kind of hey look you know if you come across somebody that really wants to get into the eight you know let me know. But do you think that and and with your statement of people in these risk management programs gravitating towards brokers and bigger firms. Do you think it's that people who actually would be successful in sales in an agency just skip that altogether and go straight to agency? Or do you think it's the colleges sort of with their narrative of pushing people towards more corporate jobs for the benefits? And let's face it, the people teaching a lot of these programs are in their their 50s and 60s and they were conditioned as younger people to gravitate towards more corporate jobs. Do you think it's one or the other or a combination of both? Yeah, I'll parallel what I went through with golf management. One of the things that they prided themselves on as a program is job placement, 100% Mm -hmm. job placement if you graduate. And so in order for the risk management programs to be able to to basically market themselves as the same as a professional program, they need to be able to confidently say, your son or daughter will have a job at the end and it'll be a a decently paying job. Yeah. And so they start to build relationships with carriers and broker partners because they have the infrastructure already set up to be able to to develop that relationship. And they have the entrance points. They have the on-ramps in several different departments, whereas an independent agency we have to basically, if, you know, a lot of us don't have a any kind of intern program. What do they do if they come in unlicensed? What if they are licensed, but they're super green? Like, how do we mm-hmm. start them and which which seat do we put them in and what can we afford to pay them? We're already right. working on tight margins, as we've said. So I think 
I think it's a it's a it's an issue with the independent agency channel that we have to figure out if we're going to try to take advantage of some of the younger um, more talent that's and, out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, like the University of Alabama has a insurance program degree that you can get. Have they ever reached out to Bradley and I? We have the largest podcast in the insurance industry. We both own insurance agencies. How is it possible that the University of Alabama does not offer a class entitled insurance sales and have some somebody like Bradley and I come in and instruct that class on, okay, I understand y'all are learning all the cool nomenclature and the the 400 million freaking uh, acronyms that you're going to use. But for the three people in here that really need to be an insurance agent instead of an underwriter, this class is for you guys. They're probably going to yeah. want you to come until they get to the you piss in your pants episode. And uh, then that's like, Bradley instead. <laughs> that's no, and they, I, if I could, if I could take a moment too to talk about something with North Carolina, I mean, academia loves academia. Okay. So uh, that's, yes. they want to basically have their graduates move on and do CIC or some yep. of the other designation programs, which are great in their own right. But I think one of the things that North Carolina, for example, has tried to do as an association, the IANC, is we've developed the Insure Academy right. to try to combat this, where whereby we are out there searching for second career individuals or people that just want a, a trade or designation that they can put to their name and then jump into the independent agent channel. Correct. So we've had some very good success with that. I know a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with that program if they've spent any time engaging out on social with us on these things. But I think those are the type of programs that we as state associations across the country can start to deploy mm -hmm. to help to fix this problem. And I asked, are they doing that? That's the tough part. I think it's a big lift, right? I mean, I think Aubby and company, it is uh, we were lift. uniquely positioned to to be able to take that, that project on. And I think it's our hope. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here. I think it's our hope that we become the model that then could be replicated in other places uh once we once we iron out some of this uh some of this detail well i think what scott was saying too is a problem in all industries i mean if you look at the what's taught for a marketing degree it's not what you deal with in the real world no. of marketing and it's the right. same with a lot of degrees in that regard so i don't know that it's just an insurance specific degree problem the person that's teaching that class if they've ever done anything in that industry it's been years and years and years and years and years if they did it at all. Sure. Yeah. If you've got a marketing degree from a university two years ago, you can take that and throw it in the trash can because so much changes in marketing just On in a day-to-day day day basis. Day-to-day, day, right. And and I ask Abby, here's a little nugget for our listening audience out there. I asked Abby specifically, I said, if you could pick one occupation that you've had the most success going through the Insure Academy in North Carolina, which occupation would that be? Because they do heavily vet and test these people prior to putting them through the Insure Academy. And then and then kind of what you said earlier about academia, they it's almost a guaranteed placement if you make it through the program. And he said, by far, by far, the most qualified candidates that we see go through our program that finish with a very well-paying job in the insurance industry, typically with agencies, are school teachers. That they by far represent the lion's share of, you know, it's the, the school teacher that's been teaching 10, 12, 13 years. Maybe he or she's still in their late 30s, mid to 30s, somewhere in that range. They've already got a college degree. They had to to get their teacher certificate. And they're smart. They can write well. They, they've, they've got a, you know, good baseline to start with, and those people, he said, were the ones that typically crush it in that program. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and the program is specifically geared towards account managers, right? Yes, it's it's it, exactly. It's to help support CSRs and other staff members in your agencies. Yep. Well, Landon, I appreciate you being on this show today. Bradley and I are about to have to jump off, but I, before we leave today, I wanted to talk just a minute about you are, I believe, director of marketing over there as well. Is that correct for director of sales and marketing? Yes, sir. Tell me if you and your staff there and the, the management group there, have you gone through already and done your planning for 2023 from just a strategic, this is where we want to be, or is that something that you've got upcoming in the next few weeks? 
Uh, we have our final meeting upcoming, uh, which is actually supposed to be this afternoon, but got pushed. So, uh, but we've done some preliminary work in budgeting and forecasting for next year and marketing and all that good stuff. Yes, we're somewhat down the road there on that. Okay. So what are you looking like? If you had a mantra for 2023, okay. what would it be for your agency next year? Uh, it's going to be... I and think I'm sorry focused. to put you on the spot. I apologize. That's all right. That's all right. I think I can handle it. Uh, you know, we're going to be focused on uh, more and more opportunities in niche markets. Mm. So that is developing specific content around certain areas of our current book of business that we feel like are ripe for uh, growth, whether that's, um, for instance, daycare centers or we actually have a little sub niche in uh, health and human services like group homes and things like that. So it'll be it'll be all about developing very niche specific um, content to speak to those groups of people that are out there searching for ins- insurance products surrounding those niches. Right. Um, I think you know we proved that to ourselves with the Defense Base Act. Um, we've got some things in the queue. Uh, and then if we can start to develop that and launch that on the website uh, in the first quarter of 2023, we'll be we'll be on the right side with that. That's awesome. Landon, I appreciate you being on here today. Guys, as I end every episode, rewards come from action, not discussion. It is time right now between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I know this will come out after the Christmas holiday, but it is not too late. It is not too late to go somewhere quiet uh, first quarter of 2023 and and go ahead and put together a a plan of action for 2023 set goals for both the agency and your producers you need to do all that if you're not doing that start doing that that's something that we're really focused on in our agency uh, obviously i think most agency owners that we have spoken to bradley over the last two days have either done that already or right in the middle of doing that right now Yep. So get out there and do that. Make out a plan for next year, what you're going to do, both marketing, branding, agency goals, producer goals. Make sure you back into, all right, this producer wants to make this much money. Well, this is the activity you're going to have to have to make that. You can reverse engineer that forward and you can figure that out. Write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Landon. Thank you, Landon. Thank you both. It's been an honor. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guide podcast. Take care.